Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Sunday, November 19th. This is the week of Thanksgiving. I'm wondering uh, what your thoughts are, what your plans are. Um, Every one of us has a reason to give thanks today. Um, It could be uh, just different even experiences you've had over this past year that you were thankful for, the different people who are in your life. Um, But most importantly, it is the fact that God created you. He loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to, to go to a cross, die for you, rise for you on the third day. And by faith in, in him, we have hope of everlasting life. And he is with us day in and day out. We all have so much to be thankful for. He is working in this moment to turn something for good in our life. He is uh, working in this moment to teach us more of who he is. Um, He is uh, working in this moment to encourage us to step out of faith and to go and do something in his name. And his power and spirit is going to go through that to bring something good. And, And so I just pray and encourage you to give thanks this week for all that the Lord has done. And all that the Lord is. Um, I want to give thanks. We had 110 um, different shoe boxes that you filled and that we gave to the Samaritan's Purse that are going to kids. Uh, gifts. Every shoe box was filled with gifts to give to kids all around the world. And, and so a thank you for all the work you did on that. Our kids' midweek program, our elementary school kids, they prepared a whole bunch of boxes too. And so it is uh, just a really wonderful thing. And I'm thankful for that. This is a season where there's going to be lots of giving opportunities. In fact, in our entryway, we have a whole bunch of stockings right now, about 50 of them. They were made by our quilters. And they're there if you want to come and take one, fill them up with gifts uh, for the residents of the Waverly Care Center nursing home. And um, we bring those to them and deliver them as well as Carol uh, sing some songs on December 13th. And so if you would like to be a part of that experience or fill up a stocking, they're all right here. Let me know and uh, we can get one to you. We have our Thanksgiving service tonight at 7 p.m. at the church downstairs uh, here where we'll be gathered around the tables. We'll have a time of communion, sharing of some testimonies, some music, and then some dessert as well. Hope that you can come out to it. It's 7 o'clock this evening in our fellowship hall. Um, But uh, this is a a great time of year. I hope it is for you uh, to give thanks to God for all that he has done, to look forward to here in a few weeks the birth of our Savior Jesus and the start of another year and what God might want to do this coming year. Um, I'm going to be preaching today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Galatians chapter 5 and um, verses 16 to 25. And uh, this, uh, we're in the middle here of a People of God series. Uh, We're actually coming right to the end of it. And uh, some of the scriptures that teach us who we are in Christ and where we come from as a church and what our mission and purpose is. And this is a very important scripture for us today. It's Galatians 5, 16 to 25. Let's hear what it says. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But you are led to be led of the spirit. And if you are, you are not under the law. For the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When I first sat down to plan uh, out this People of God series way back in August, um, I prayed and I studied and I tried to pick out certain scriptures from the New Testament that would really help us know who we are, and what following Christ is really all about. And the title came from 1 Peter 2.10, where it says, You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that verse just really spoke to me, and it kind of started the whole thing, that we are the people of God, not because of our greatness, but because of his mercy and love. This is what the Bible calls us. This is our true identity. We are the people of God. We belong to him. We are a child of God. We were created by God. We are sinners who have been saved by the mercy and grace of God through the blood of Christ. We are followers of the way. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're part of a people. We're not alone in the world, not an accident, not here by random chance, not uh, just floating around meaningless, but he made us and we are his. We're the church, the body of believers, sent to go forth into all the world with a message of salvation, sent to be light and salt in the life that we have been given, holding on to the faith and the hope in Christ, knowing one day we will be with him in heaven. This is who we are. And so I picked out key scriptures from the book of Acts the look at the early church and how they did things and what God did through them. And then I also found some of the early writings from the New Testament letters that we have in our Bible, like Romans 8, which calls us more than conquerors, which I spoke about a couple weeks ago. And then Hebrews 12, which calls us to run a good race, which I talked about last Sunday. And then for our scripture for today, I picked Galatians 5, because it was about doing life in the Spirit and not the flesh. And it mentions here the fruit of the Spirit. 
the work of the Spirit in us, the things that God wants to produce in our life and through our life. And this scripture for, for today is so stinking important. <laughs> I will try to explain why and what it means. In the Old Testament, we have the law. In fact, the first five books of the Old Testament are called the Torah, which is Hebrew for law. Law was central to the Jewish people and their religion. For the law was given to them by God on Mount Sinai. The most famous of the laws are the Ten Commandments. We read that God gave them to Moses and they were written on stone and laid in the Ark of the Covenant, placed in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and temple. The commandments, maybe you know them, are thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make an idol. Thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. These were the top ten commandments. But besides these ten, we read in the early books of the Bible many other laws that God gave Moses to instruct the people. Hundreds of laws. And beyond these, the Pharisees and religious leaders made more laws to try to protect people from accidentally breaking the God-given ones. But no matter how many laws there were, people still broke them. <laughs> people broke God's law all the time. We call that sin. And we all sin. In fact, it is said in the Bible that the law was given that we might recognize our sin and turn to God for salvation. The Old Testament not only reveals God's law to us, but the Old Testament also follows this one family of Abraham and his descendants. And story after story in the Old Testament is God appearing and speaking to this people, not just giving them his laws, but also helping them and revealing his love and faithfulness to them, even when they were so unfaithful. And through God's interactions with this people of Israel, the Old Testament teaches us more about who God is and what God is like and how our human nature, ever since Adam and Eve, is fallen and prone to sin and turn away from God. Even the best of us, like King David, who was called a man after God's own heart, we read how he even fell into terrible sin, into adultery and murder, and needed God's forgiveness. We break God's law. We're not like God. We are rebellious to God. We destroy creation and one another in our own lives. It's our sinful nature, our flesh. But then towards the end of the Old Testament, there comes this message of hope. The prophets all begin to speak about how God is going to send a Savior who would save us from our sins and restore everything that sin has destroyed. And sure enough, that Savior was born. And thus begins the New Testament. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him will no longer perish, but have everlasting life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they open the New Testament this message of hope, telling us the story of Jesus, God's Son, 
born for us. And each of these four books tell us the story of Jesus and how he lived and loved and spoke and healed and then died and rose again to redeem us, overcoming our sin and death upon that cross and bringing us back to God. And the message Jesus spoke and gave to his disciples to spread to the whole world was that if anyone believes in him and repents of their sins, they'll be forgiven for their sins and they will receive the Holy Spirit and the promise of everlasting life. So now, getting back to our scripture for today, this is the context. This book of Galatians that we read from is actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia in about 50 AD. And most scholars believe it is Paul's first letter. In fact, they believe it is the earliest writing that we have from that early church and the New Testament. It was a letter to a church in Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey. And most of the letter is about how we're no longer under the law, but grace. We are saved not by following the law, but by faith in Christ alone. But then after Paul makes this argument, he goes on to say, but even though you're saved... Don't just keep on sinning. Don't abuse the grace of God. Instead, now, live by the Spirit. Don't live gratifying the desires of your flesh, but live to please God now. Walk by His Spirit. And this is one of the first things I want us to see in our Scripture. It's how Paul calls these nine things love, joy, peace, patience, etc. He calls them the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that's so very important. Whereas the Old Testament had its laws to follow, and we failed miserably at following them. This scripture is not listing nine new laws, but the fruit of the Spirit. And that is the difference in the Christian life. Commands are things that we are expected to do. Fruit, however, is something God does in our life. Something that only he can produce in us. And so what we have in the New Testament is this amazing work of God in our life. We don't save ourselves. He saves us by the cross. And we don't just suddenly get the will and the strength to not sin anymore. But he pours out his spirit in us and creates in us a new heart and a new life and puts a new power at work in us, a new ability to love where there wasn't before. It is Christ in us. It is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We are not the same after we put our faith in Christ, for he puts his spirit in us. And working from the inside out, it is the Lord who begins to grow in us a greater patience with other peer, people. He is doing that in us. That is why it's called the fruit of the spirit. As we walk with Jesus each day and seek first his kingdom 
and spend time in his word and in prayer and with other believers, the result of that relationship with Christ begins to reveal itself in us in the fruit of the Spirit. The changes that people see in us give glory to God and not us. It is his work in us that they see. Any good you see in me is the grace of God at work in my life since I was little. His love alive in me. His goodness moving inside of me. His spirit. He is the change you see in me. Where there was once only hate, he begins to grow love. Even if just a small amount at first. That is Christ at work in us. His love growing in us. Maybe we don't want to punch that guy anymore. Maybe just slap him really hard. No. But those little changes, that is God at work changing us, growing more love in us. Where there was once only fear or worry, we now begin to know peace, which is growing in us. The more we learn, we can trust God. The more we know him through his word and his promises, the more we keep his, our eyes on him instead of on those waves, peace starts to grow in us and will fill our life instead of worry. Where there was once no joy in our life, no purpose, no contentment, we begin to feel joy once again. As C.S. Lewis puts it, we will be surprised by joy. For it is the Holy Spirit alive in us who causes us to rejoice in all things because he keeps reminding us that we are loved and that God is near and at work even in this. Paul says that joy you feel is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you and that you belong to God. I can't begin to tell you how important this idea is for us to grasp because true biblical Christianity is faith in Christ alone for our salvation, and it is also a daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. It is both. Without the blood of Christ, we are not justified before a holy God. And without the Holy Spirit, we'll never be sanctified. We have no hope of living a God-honoring life in our own power. Left to my flesh, my will, I will keep living for my flesh and making a mess of things. But in the Spirit, a new power and will and life lives in me. It is Jesus. The Lord is in me, and what I couldn't do before, I now can. Psalm 1 famously said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which will yield its fruit in season. When we spend time in the Word with Jesus every day, over time, in season, a new fruit, a new life begins to grow in us. Jesus taught his disciples in John 15, 4 and 5, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So the first thing we learn in our scripture for today is that after we put our faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we are called to a life in the Spirit. 
And if we walk in the Spirit, we will begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in us. The second thing, though, that I want us to learn from our Scripture is that Paul says if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And then he says, so we do not do what we want. We are not to do what we want. What the Bible is saying here is that even though we gave our life to Christ, even though we are a Christian and believe in Him for our salvation, we are still going to be tempted by our flesh. We are still going to have feelings and desires that are wanting us to sin. Those don't go away. We have to be willing to fight the good fight and resist temptation. There is a battle within us. Paul writes about this in Romans 7 when he talks about how sin lives in him too. And in his sinful nature, he finds this law at work that every time he wants to do good, evil is right there presenting a different way. This is the battle of the flesh versus the spirit. We are still living in this body. We're not perfect. We're not in our glorified bodies in heaven yet. And so we're still tempted every day to live by what either the flesh desires or by what the Spirit desires. And Paul lists for us the fruit of the flesh in verse 19. Before he lists the fruit of the Spirit, he lists the fruit of the flesh. And he says they're obvious. It's sexual immorality, which means giving in to our lusts, our desires, which are different from what God intended for us. It is impurity, he says, debauchery, idolatry, which is worshiping and living for something other than God. It is witchcraft, it is hatred, it is discord, it is jealousy. We all are going to be tempted by these things. But when we give in to these things, we're not living by the Spirit, but by the flesh. He goes on, he says, it's fits of rage, it's selfish ambition. That out-of-control anger we feel in us isn't from God. <laughs> that short temper that we show to our spouse, that's us giving into the flesh in that moment. That I'm going to do whatever is best for me, even if it hurts others, that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. That's your flesh talking. That's the evil desires that still live within all of us that we are to resist. Paul goes on to say dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And the mention of and the like means that this is not just a or that this is just a partial list of the things that aren't of God's spirit. These are the behaviors and attitudes of the world, the sinful nature that still wants to control us. And we see these things in the world today. Some of them are even celebrated and encouraged. We may even at times feel temptation to live like this. But we need to know that these things are not of God. They aren't his will. They aren't good for us. These are the fruits of the flesh, not the fruit of the spirit. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Verse 17 says they're in conflict with each other, so we are not to do whatever we want. Part of what it means to walk by the spirit, to be led of the spirit, to live by the spirit, to keep in step with the spirit, part of that is to deny the flesh to not do whatever we want, 
to not live by our passions and our desires anymore, to not just do what we want, but to daily surrender our life to Christ and to learn to live by his spirit and not our flesh. Every feeling and desire you have in you is not from God. You may really want something, but it may be evil and bad for you and destroy you or hurt others and be contrary to God's will. It may be selfish and lust and greed and pride and hate for the desire you feel needs to be tested by God's word because we are to be living by the spirit and not the flesh. I remember this interview of a pastor who was caught with a male prostitute. And it was a big scandal because he was leading a big church and he had a wife and kids and it was just this really sad thing. Well, he and his wife ended up on Oprah. And I remember watching the interview. And he and his wife were sitting there in front of the audience. And he was sorry for what he had done and was sharing how he was getting help and working on things with God and his wife. And, and things were slowly looking up and, and all of that. I remember what Oprah said to him. She said... Well, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe you're trying to be what you're not. And these desires you have are good in telling you who you really are and that you really are gay and just need to accept that. And the crowd applauded. And Oprah said, shouldn't we just be who we are? And I'm not slandering Oprah here or opening a huge can of, of worms, but I really want us to hear what she was implying by that statement. Shouldn't we just be who we are? What she was saying was that who that man was, was his desires. That is what she was implying and what our world often implies, that we are what we desire. And so be yourself. This is the highest form of life, to do what we want. But our scripture just said, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. They're in conflict with each other. So we aren't to do whatever we want. I remember the wife of the pastor spoke in response to Oprah's comment, and she did so with such love and respect, and I loved her response. She said, but we aren't to just do whatever we want, whatever we feel, whatever we think. For our hearts can deceive us, and our feelings aren't always good. In fact, many are sinful. In faith, we align our life to Christ and his word, for only he truly knows who we are and what is good, and we live to please him and not ourselves. And I realized that day that this idea was so contrary to the teaching of that show or our world. And yet it is so true to the Bible. The idea that we wouldn't just do what we felt was right. That we wouldn't lean on our own understanding. That we would put our faith in Christ and trust in him and align our life to his word and his spirit. This is what Paul is saying in our scripture. That we don't just do whatever we want. We don't live by the flesh, but by the spirit. That who we are is not the sum of our desires, but who God says we are. That is our identity. 
That is why this scripture, I think, is so important. For it teaches us that our flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And we have to know that. Or even after becoming a Christian, we will keep doing what we think is right and not what is. We must learn how to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh if we want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. The life of Christ in us. It begins by learning how not to do what we want. The final thing I want to say about our scripture for today, though, is that it mentions these nine things called the fruit of the Spirit. And they're a picture of God's will for your life. What he wants to do in and through you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is God's will for your life. This is the character and attitude of of Jesus and perfection that God wants to grow more of in you. He wants to make you more like Jesus. And even though they're the fruit of the Spirit, we are told here that we're to keep in step with the Spirit. In a way, that means we're to work with God in the things He wants to accomplish in our life. The particular word for keeping in step is like the image of a dance. And I don't know how many of you like to dance. I took dance lessons once in my life. It happened when I was in seminary. My friends all thought it would be a good idea to to get girlfriends. And and we would take swing dance lessons. And this was big in the late 90s. And and so we were all going to sign up and... and, uh, And girls would suddenly start to like us, I guess, because we knew how to dance. I don't know. But I signed up. They didn't. They bailed uh, on me. And for whatever reason, I still decided to go. And I took about a half dozen lessons, and I never really became that good at it. But what I learned was how in dancing, the partner follows the lead. And the lead gives little signals with their arms or eyes or body that communicate they're going to dip you over here or they're going to swing you over there. And, and I was the lead, and so I was learning these things that I was hoping would sweep girls off their feet. This is dancing. The partner learns to flow as one with the lead, to keep in step with the other. And you learn to pick up on the signals or the nudges as you hopefully flow across the dance floor as one. Well, this is the image Paul is talking about here. That the Holy Spirit is the lead in our life. Once we put our faith in Christ, we give up the lead in our life. He is now the lead. And if we let him lead, he will move us over here. He will take us over there and begin to grow these nine fruit of the Spirit in our life as we spend time with the Lord each day in his word and prayer and other believers, learning from him the way he moves and what he cares about and who he is and his will. We start to learn to recognize his voice and the nudges where he's going and life becomes this dance as one with our Savior to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, moving through life in beautiful partnership with the Lord. It's a relationship with Christ. It's a dance where He leads. And the fruit of the Spirit are the things that is His intent to grow in us. That we partner with God on where He's going. And I won't mention all the fruit here, but I want to mention just a couple so you know and understand what I'm saying. But the first one that He mentions is love. 
And it's not surprising that love is first on the list of the things that God wants to grow and do in you. For the Bible says God is love, and Jesus said that loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving our neighbor as ourself is the greatest commandment. So love is both a fruit and also a commandment. It really matters to God. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. The Bible says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. The spirit-following Christian will be the most loving person in the room. The Bible warns us that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. We see that. The world is often rude and selfish and hateful and greedy today. My saintly wife was flipped off twice this past week. It's a harsh world out there, but we're to be different within it. Jesus said they'll know we're his disciples because of our love. In the dance, the Lord is always going to lead you to the loving response. Love is the first description of the fruit of the Spirit, contrary to the fruit of the flesh, which is hatred, discord, jealousy, the easier things to do, the expected thing, the thing you might want to do, which is react in anger, hate, divisiveness, pride, whatever. But the Spirit is always going to be calling you to not do what you want to do, but to do what Christ did, which is love. To keep in step with the Spirit, we've got to go with the Spirit. To let Him do in us what we can't do for ourselves. To lead us across the room to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. To lead us to forgive another as Christ has forgiven us. To lead us to think of others more than ourselves. To feel His prompting to give, to serve, to do nice things for our spouse instead of nitpick. To lead us to pray for those who have harmed us instead of curse them back. To turn the other cheek instead of fight. To be generous with the poor and the hungry instead of take more for ourselves. Feel the dance. The Spirit of God will lead you in his steps towards greater love. Go with him. See what happens. It's sure to be better than the way that you've done it. I told my small group last week that I have always felt that my calling was to preach and to love people. And yet lately, I have felt that love under attack. I have been just overly irritated and frustrated and maybe tired but just easy to anger lately and negative about people instead of believing the best about them. I've noticed this in me. I think it is the Holy Spirit convicting me, saying, hey, you're not healthy. Hang out a little more with Jesus. Take a walk each day and cool down and pray. He's calling you to a greater love, and right now you're living some more flesh-like things. Another fruit of the Spirit is joy. This one I mentioned because joy is happiness on a deep level. It is contentment and rejoicing in our sufferings because we know God is with us in them. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is actually our strength. Rejoicing in Him actually lifts us up. And so I mention this one because we can get or let depression and sadness and despair begin to rule our life and take us down a dark hole. We can let grief and sorrow paralyze us. Forgetting the joy of the Lord is our strength and that in all things God is still God and loves us and is at work for our good. And so to keep in step with the Spirit, we, we follow the dance by going with God and choosing to, to cry and also laugh, to mourn and also dance. 
and to rejoice in the Lord always by remembering our hope and thinking about things that are good and right and pure and lovely and beautiful that are also very much alive today. To be thankful in all circumstances, looking forward to the glory that will one day be revealed. That's how we go with God. And then the last one I mention here, which I end this sermon with, is the fruit of peace. The Hebrew word is shalom. And it means wholeness with God and others and yourself. It's being at rest, no longer fighting, not being afraid, just at rest in him, being at peace with what is, and being a peacemaker. And that's a gift. It's the fruit of the Spirit that only comes from a relationship with Christ and surrendering everything. It comes from trusting God with everything, knowing that God is good. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. So don't let your hearts become troubled and don't be afraid. The way we keep in step with this fruit of the Spirit is that we don't let our hearts become troubled. We don't follow the flesh and the mind into despair. We don't worry and go down that path. We, we trust and we pray and we, we leave it with God. We trust God to be faithful to his promises. And this is a daily dance for me. This is definitely contrary to my flesh, my default setting. But I have to let go and let God take the lead. I have to not worry to overthink everything and go down that path, but I need to go with God and have faith to keep in step with the dance and let the Lord lead because he always brings peace. And so I pray that all of us today would learn how to live by the Spirit, to not just do whatever we want, but to let Christ lead and do in us what only he can. I hope you have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.